episode 455, How to Pinpoint Your Magic, Wellness Leadership with Marcus Bird. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Get to the podcast. Okay, enjoy the show. Right, this week is all about wellness leadership and running live events and running live events all over the world. We have Marcus Bird on the line and he's a wellness leadership guru. It's all about mobilizing your potential. He's a mentor, trainer, speaker, author. He's based in Australia. I met him at a live event. It gets all over the place. So I'm really excited to dig in today. So firstly, Marcus, are you ready to awaken your alpha? I am ready and awake. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you gotta wake it up. It's like 6 a.m. there. We, yes, it is. <laughs> very pleasant time for me. Marcus, Marcus is going to start the day right here. <laughs> great. I am absolutely. Uh, yeah, looking forward to it. And thanks for having me on the show. So that was yeah. quite a brief introduction I did for you. Is there yes. anything you'd like to add or highlight? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're obviously all about wellness and in particular, you know, empowering wellness professionals to um, really sort of, you know, pinpoint their magic, to really identify their magic and, and learn ways to sort of package that magic up and then sort of present that magic out into the world. And so um, obviously one of the things we do is, is live events, you know, and we, mm -hmm. we show our amazing wellness professionals how to do that, how to run live events all around the world. Um, and that's obviously something you know, that we're doing. I'm actually about to get on a plane and come your way in about uh, just under two weeks. So yeah. next Friday, actually, so which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, just, um, just really helping empower wellness professionals and, and, and anybody in general, really, to, to really anchor in and find their magic and, and you know, live their full potential. Awesome. And uh, how we met as well was someone said to me, hey, you've got to go meet Marcus. And, <laughs> and she was right. And, so, and then we've been I talking ever since. So yeah, uh, I, I love it when that happens. It makes it easy. easy. Yeah. No, let's go <laughs> with the flow. I touched on that you're obviously in Australia. I just want to yes. touch on your origins as well. Where are you originally from? You know, within Australia, where are you speaking us to uh, from today? Yeah. And you know, what did I'm assuming you didn't want to be a wellness leadership guru when you was growing up. What did you want to be, and how did you get no. to this point? Yeah, kind of interesting. So uh, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, and uh, born and bred here. Um, I have. Uh, English mother, an Australian father. Um, my my heritage, I suppose, is from Bath in England, which okay. uh, which yeah is a beautiful, amazing place. Yeah. And I think when I was younger, you know, the key for me, well, one of the things I wanted to be was a pilot. So I wanted to travel um, and uh, I wanted to fly planes. 
Um, and, and, you know, through a whole lot of, you know, stuff that happens in your life, um, the professional sort of pilot idea sort of never panned out. I actually mm -hmm. became a private pilot when I was 30. Um, okay. So I did live that dream. I was saying, that's <laughs> not, not easy to do. That's job, awesome. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I did sort of, you know, I did, I did fulfill on that dream, which was great. And I think, you know, I think there was a whole other destiny for me as I, you know, as, as you look at your life unfold, when you sort of get to, I don't know, your forties and fifties, you start to look back and go, wow, this has been a really interesting journey. And, and you really start to anchor in even deeper. Well, okay, I see where the journey is leading me and now yeah. I've just got to really anchor that in. And I think that that's the thing that catapulted me to go live all around the world I think you know one of the great ways to share your message to really make an impact and leave a legacy um, is to do live events is to get on stage and speak to people and um, and you know I love that whole connection I love what stage can can give you know I, I do lots of virtual events as well you know lots of webinars and, and those sort of things and but but there's just something special about live events you know where you can actually sort of really sort of touch people you get yeah. to see them feel them and, and interact. I agree. Well. And there's a level of commitment as well. You know, you're yeah. fully there. You've got to be into it. And we're going to talk about that because yeah. I know for a lot of people, it's, you know, that they'd be more confident doing like webinars and things where it's almost like, yes. low, you know, you're just testing, testing things. Whereas, uh, yes. you know, a live event, there's a level of commitment that is definitely stepping up a notch. <sighs> Yeah, yeah. Once, <laughs> once, that, once that live event goes live, once you get on stage, you're, there's no going back. I had an interesting journey to get to live events because uh, I, was, I, was, I was, you know, when I first started, I wasn't confident at all. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, you know, I had this realization because I used to be a corporate Jedi a long time ago. And I had this realization when I was in the corporate world that if I wanted to be a senior manager or a C-level, you know, I had to be good at speaking. Yeah. And I remember being terrified in board meetings and not being able to get my words out. And I thought, this is ridiculous. I have to learn how to do this. And so um, a friend of mine said, hey, why don't you go and do this public speaking course I did? Anyway, I was so terrified of public speaking. It took me five years to do the course, to go and actually commit to do the course. Yeah. Uh, every time I thought about it, I just went into terror. Um, and, uh, and then when I committed to the course, it was 12 weeks. Every week you got to speak in front of 100 people. You did two talks a night. Um, and, uh, and I remember sitting in the car every week going, I'm not going in not going in, not going in, not going in. And then go, damn, all right, I'm going to go in. Um, <laughs> and after that experience, I became a graduate assistant and then I became a public speaking trainer and I just, it took off from there. That could have been the part of the moment, but who helped awaken your alpha, whether it was someone inspiring you from afar. I know that was like a friend, like nudging you and you, you could tell you need to get yeah. better at speaking, but there's still a big jump between doing public speaking within your job, within that corporate yeah. environment, yeah. as a corporate yeah. Jedi, and then obviously going out on your own and doing all the things you do. The first one that comes to mind, bizarrely enough, was my ex-wife. Okay. And uh, throughout our short relationship, my first wife's relationship, I never really listened to her. And she said, you've got to go and see this person. And I never listened to her in the, the first time, but then I decided to go and see this person. And, um, and she, uh, she really inspired me to sort of step into my offer and, and start to own it. And that's when yeah. I started to tap deeply into, well, what am I really here to do? I'm not here to be corporate Jedi. I'm not here to, to play that game. And, um, and that sort of really started you know, to connect me to that. And then there were lots of other mentors along the way, you know, lots of other people that came in and inspired some form of action or some direction change or shift. Um, and uh, that sort of led to where we are today. Um, yeah. Can you remember when you actually made the, the jump and got away yeah. from that environment? Did, was it a tough, a long transition phase or was it kind of just 
stopping yeah. one and jumping into the other. How did you handle that? <laughs> well, I sort of had, I had a, uh, I'm going to call it a, a lucky break in that when I was in my corporate job, I was, um, you know, I'd, I'd climbed the corporate ladder. I yep. was a senior manager by now. I had a corner office overlooking the city. Um, things were going great. But I remember leaning back on my chair and, and thinking to myself, wow, aren't I good? Aren't I amazing? <laughs> Getting a little bit egotistical about it. And then I leaned back on my chair and I put my hand on my heart. And I said, there's got to be more than this. Like, mm. surely it can't just be this. And, uh, and two weeks later, I came down with chronic fatigue syndrome. And I had to give up work for two years. Um, I couldn't work, couldn't do anything, couldn't socialize, I couldn't watch television, listen to the radio, nothing for two Whoa. years. And it was on that two year journey that I met a number of people, I learned a whole lot of stuff. And that's really where wellness came in. I learned yeah. all about wellness. Yeah, so, you needed it. <laughs> yeah, I needed it badly. Um, and doctors couldn't fix me, you know, there was no sort of medical solution to this at that time. Um, and uh, there was a lot of things I had to push through and uh, one of them was just to find out who I was and then to work out well how do I heal myself um, and that led me into the world of wellness I then became a wellness practitioner I then you know over a number of years developed my own multi-modality clinic and that's when the speaking really sort of started to kick in because I started talking about wellness and running events and you know locally first um, in my own clinic and then it just broadened, got bigger and bigger until um, you know, a lot of people then started to ask me, so how do you do this? Like, yeah. how are you doing framing these live events up? How are you getting people bums on seats? How are you doing all that? And then I started training people. <laughs> and then eventually the whole Wellness Leadership Academy sort of started to appear where, you know, that then became full time and started to do it all around the world. Yeah. And I know you, you do that with a partner and I know that's, you know, having a business partner or when you have a business partner, it's such an important relationship. Can you tell me how that came along and also you know, the decision from going, doing it by yourself and then obviously partnering because, you, you know, that's a really crucial decision yeah. and you've got to, you've got to choose is. wisely. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that, um, I think it's interesting. You know, my partner came from my biggest competition. So, um, so uh, Andy and I started watching each other and uh, we started to sort of feel a little bit competitive. Um, and I have a very collaborative mindset, which yeah. means, you know, I don't believe in competition, regardless of whether you're in the same industry doing exactly the same thing. And so one day I went, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to ring the guy. So I just rang him and we sat down and over the period of 12 months, we sort of just looked at, well, what are we here? What are we really here to do? What's your mission? What's my mission? And we started to align on our mission mm -hmm. and get really clear on that. And then eventually we just said, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we do this together? So he was doing a lot of online stuff. So webinars and yeah. masterclasses and I was doing all the live and, uh, and we uh, said, well, yeah. you know, this is, so I, I got invited on his webinars. I invited him on to my stage and eventually we said well let's you know let's do this together and I think over the journey the key is about staying aligned and clear on the mission and making sure that you know that 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 mission is still aligned together you know and at some point it won't be at yeah. some point we'll move on and <laughs> do you know what I mean it's been yeah. five or six years and so some point you know everything ends and you touched on obviously chronic fatigue syndrome that sounds yes. like a, an obvious time when you really awaken your alpha where you know it's not all going not all going well and you really had to you know battle to awaken your alpha um well obviously during chronic fatigue that was a big awaken the alpha moment you know yeah. really just tapping into well who am i what am i really here to do and what you know almost sort of like what's my purpose it was an existential sort of moment of mm -hmm. of trying to awaken and uh and i had to to, to heal like i i had to and i think at some point for some people if you don't awaken that then 
you, you don't heal or you get sick or, you know, the, the world has, or the universe has a funny way of pointing you in the right direction if you're open to it, you know? And I think, um, I think chronic fatigue was the biggest awakening for me. You know, I learned so much about what that meant, what it meant to, to step into my power, my potential, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so that was, that was probably the biggest moment in my life. Um, and I think, you know, your life is scattered with a number of these, you know. Um, I think probably the first one was when I was on the Australian ski team and I had a major ski accident and almost died, spent three months in hospital. Hey, you, know, you was, snuck that, that was... in there. Now I remember I why we needed to talk because, yeah, you were, a, you know, a high-level athlete and did you, yeah. I know you got badly injured. Was it your knee as yeah. well? No, no. I, well, no. I, um, oh, we've got to, we got to rewind here. I'm not skimming over that. You just, oh, it's the Australian ski team. Come on, come on. Uh, no. uh, <laughs> um, okay. I don't talk about it very often. So <laughs> I uh, want to hear, I want to hear. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I joined the Australian ski team when I was 12 originally and then oh. started traveling internationally when I was, uh, for uh, 15, I think it was my first trip, 15, 16, 17, 18, yeah, but 15 was my first trip to Europe um, to represent Australia. Um, and uh, look, things were going great. Things were per perfectly aligned for the Olympics in 1988, I think it was, Sarajevo Olympics, if I remember rightly, it was somewhere around then. And um, I remember I was training, I was actually training in Australia just before the team selection, just before a race, and I was destined to go to the, the Olympics. And um, I remember, you know, skiing down this, this track and, and this person crossed the track, crossed the, the race track as I was training, and I didn't actually even see them coming. Um, and from all accounts, the people watching, they put their sort of elbow up to protect themselves. And I hit their elbow with my, my side of my face oh, and uh, I smashed my cheek. I smashed my nose in three places, my skull around my eye. I broke both jaws and so my top jaw was broken. My bottom jaw was broken. Um, and I just remember waking up, I don't know how long after and just everything was red. Like there was just a sea of red everywhere. And, and I remember... My, one of my best friends in the ski team, an older guy, almost like a little mentor to me. He he was the first on the scene after I'd woken up. And um, I just remember him holding my hand. And I thought, this is it. It's done. Like, time's up. And I went, yeah. wow. And just held his hand and just said, don't let me go. And um, and anyway, obviously, I'm still here. How old were you um, when that happened? I would have been 17, 18, 17. Yeah. Yeah, 17. And uh, I remember, so I spent three months in hospital and while I was in hospital, the team was announced and they did a press conference and I watched the press conference from my hospital bed oh. knowing that I wasn't going. Like it was just, you know, um, I got back skiing and I got, you know, I got back into the team um, and I went to Europe once more on racing for Australia. And at that point, I realized I just lost the little edge. I was going to say, were you ever quite the same after you've had a knock like that? No, no. that pretty much ended it. You know, I think if I had a broken a leg or an arm or yeah. something, not so bad, but the face, yeah. you know, every time I went around a gate or every time I, oh. do you know what I mean? I just, yeah, you need yeah, that level so, of just fearlessness yeah. that you, you know, yeah, just the attack just, that, yeah, yeah like I you say, that. at that level, if you lose a percent or two, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I lost 0.5 of a percent, which at the end of a race, it may be five seconds, three seconds, two seconds. But, mm. you know, when races are won by 0.001 of a second, I mean, yeah. 
that's forever, right? And so that's when I let that go. I go, I retire. So yeah, obviously a young man when that happened. So that's, I know. see, that's, you know, you've done two big career. Did you struggle around that transition period then as well? Do you feel it? Because I'm assuming yeah. up to sort of 70, 80, you saw yourself as, you know, you was Marcus the skier. You that's know, right. To be going yeah, to the Olympics. Going to the Olympics. You know, yeah, yeah, that's it. You just, you know, you Marcus the skier, soon to be Olympian. That's something that, yeah. you know, that's still, even if you're doing what you're doing now, that's still be on your bio, like Olympian. Yeah. And that's someone yeah. who really, I really wanted the Olympic circles tattooed on my shoulder. I really wanted to Absolutely. go there. And it, you know, and it's not there now. And, no, it's not. Yeah. So, so I think it, it, it's tough when that happens, when, when, you, when you sort of focus on one thing so intently yeah. um, that all of a sudden it's shattered. Like it's just totally gone. Um, it took me a long, it took me ages to get over that. I cried a lot yeah. <laughs> when that, yeah. when I made that decision. And well, we're not going to, we're not going to focus at all when all the, the extreme <laughs> challenging times, but I, I do want to find out about live events. Well, so when it comes yeah. to live events, what are some of the ways you think are, or some of the things that are essential if you're not just running live events, but also you have that vision of, you know, putting on live events and organizing them in places that you you know, it's not your home country. And, yeah. and making that step. And when do you make the step? Do you just go all in from the start or then do you just, you yeah. know, so talk to us yeah. about some of the key things and how it was in reality for you. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've run events in you know, places all around the world and, and some incredibly successfully and others not so successfully. And yeah. I think there's learnings in, in both. And I think, I think for me going into another country or going somewhere out of an area that's familiar to you, you know, your local area. So whether you're going into another state or province or whether you're actually going into continental and into a, a totally different country, I think one of the, the key things to have is a champion in that area. Mm. we've always had a champion. And what I mean by that is someone who knows us, likes us and trusts us and who's willing to sort of be there to help find the, the, the venue, to help rally some of the troops, to get some helpers around to assist, to, to get the first 10 bums on seats type of thing. You know, someone yeah. who, who knows the area and knows the people and is connected. So, that, so a champion, I think, is really important, especially if you're going into another country. Because um, they can also help translate things for you. You know, yeah. even if you're going from Australia to America or Australia to Canada, you know, there are some intricacies in language that you yeah. need to be aware of. And so they can help to sort of, yeah, identify yeah. that. I like, I like that as well because it, it may be some, some little, something as simple as you say, oh, I'm thinking of this. What do you reckon of that? And they'd be like, no, that wouldn't work around here. Or no, no. Oh, for X, Y, and Z, just like yeah, yeah. little things that you can overlook. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I, think, I remember I, um, was running an event in when I was in England or right. I, it was in America though. I planned yeah. to, I should say. And I did something like I organized it on around Thanksgiving or something. Again, for me, it was just like, <laughs> yeah. it was just a date. And I, and just then it was luckily not too late, but pretty late, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was yeah. just like, it's just schoolboy no, era. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So there are those intricacies and dates and times and, all that sort of stuff. And, um, and so it's good to have a champion. By the sounds of it, you, you know, you got very kind of established and confident in exactly your events in Australia before you then ventured out. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I started in my own sort of clinic or my own building really. And when I had a clinic and then I went, you know, into other suburbs around me and then I went into state and then it sort of went from there. So yeah, it was a gradual process. I didn't sort of go overseas straight away. Um, it was a gradual process to to get it become international, but yeah. it was one of my goals. I wanted yeah. to be an international speaker. I wanted to get on an international stage. I wanted to run my own events internationally. Just, Can you remember yeah. your first international event? Does that stick in the memory? And if it doesn't, that's yeah, <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, you know, our first international event was in Toronto. 
um, six years ago and uh, we had a really amazing champion in Toronto yep. and she helped us to get, uh, well, we got 160 bums on seats, which wow. is not a bad effort. First yeah. international, we had 12 industry leading sponsors and, um, you know, it, it was, it was a pretty amazing, incredible experience. You know, I, I can remember being halfway across the Pacific at uh, 35,000 feet having a panic attack going, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> no, we've just sunk, we just sunk 20 grand into this event. Yeah. Um, I'm going to a place I've never been to. So I was in Canada, never been to Canada. So I'd never, I don't know any Canadians. This yeah. is insane. What the hell am I doing? Like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, it, it was incredible success and it really catapulted everything. Um, How long did it take you to plan that event? For a big event like that, the first time, I think it was probably, you know, six months mark was the, hey, why don't we do this? Yeah. And then it slowly unfolded. You know, when I'm teaching people to run live events, I say the first event, you need minimum 12 weeks, three months lead time, minimum, before you run your very first event. Um, just because things take twice as long as you think and there's always something goes wrong or, you know, misses. And, you know, in an international event, you've got to make sure that your website, you know, your landing page is great. You've got to make sure your marketing's on song. There's a whole lot of things that you have to get right. So I think it was probably six months, Mark, we said, yeah, let's do it. And then over that period, we just worked flat out at it. Um, you know, now I can, I can launch and, and fill a room in, you know, four to six weeks. Yeah, but that's because all the collaterals there now. Yeah, yeah, you got the, the language pellets there. Foundations, you know, yeah, <laughs> exactly. All the foundations are there, but when you're trying to build foundations, you know, three months is minimum. Six months is ideal, just to get everything done. Yeah, and so for, for your students, and when you're advising them, and they've got sort of these timelines, once they've got all the foundations of, I suppose, you know, the venues, and they kind of got their core yeah. curriculum, what they're doing. Yeah. bums on seats and i've done whole interviews yeah. around this specific point so i just want to get yeah. maybe what you think is the the biggest yeah. core for getting bums on seats for someone who's yeah. maybe new to starting this or they've got a small following and they're making yeah. that jump to live events yeah look i think if you've got a small following which is very different to if you've got a big following and you're, you're doing this big time you know if you do if you've got a small following i think I think still the number one thing is, um, is, is almost like referrals, having affiliates, right? So if you've got a client base of 20 people or 50 people, mm -hmm. first and foremost, go out to them, right? Yeah. Hey, who can help me, right? Um, the, other, the way I did it when I started was, was I used to do a two-for-one offer, which was I used to go to my clients, right? I used to say to them, hey, if you, so, so I've got this live event, this three-hour event, it's 50 bucks, whatever it might be. But if you bring a friend for free, right? Like if you bring a friend, sorry, if you bring a friend, I'll give you both the ticket at half price or I'll give you one ticket for free. I'll give you both for free, depending on whether you're selling at the event. Yeah. Like is the event an information event, like a workshop, or is it actually a sales event to upsell into a you know, coaching program yeah. or a health program or whatever? And that, that's going to change things a bit, right? Um, most of my events are sales events into the next thing. We do run delivery events all around the world as well now, um, which is the delivery of the information. I was so going to say, is that more where you started then sort of these, you know, probably relatively low price events. So they're getting yeah, some workshop. value, but then, and then it's kind of, you've got your yeah. core foundation Absolutely. programs, coaching. To, Absolutely. To, to, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. So I used to run. So, so when I was a, a therapist, I was a specialist in fatigue, funnily enough, mm-hmm. and, and stress, stress-based <laughs> fatigue for yeah. you know, corporate people. And so I used to run events around how to overcome that or how to make sure that you don't fall into that trap. And therefore, they were paid events. But the aim at the end of it was then to sell the ongoing services, right? Yeah. So, so what I learned over time was that live events are great to upsell into something and therefore, the money is not made from selling tickets to get bums on seats, the money's actually made from the services you're selling at the end of that, right? Yeah. That's not how I started, but that's what I soon realized. That, wow, that's probably the better way to go, right? Because you can only charge so much to get bums on seats. Well, in yeah. those days, right? Especially and they don't deeply know you at that point. Generally, if they're coming that's to right. a live event, you know, it's different that's to be exactly in a, right. physically in a room with you. And they're like, oh, this person is legit. This yeah. is, you know, they can see yeah, yeah, it, yeah. sense it and feel it, yeah. That's right. So generally, your live event has to be at a lower price until you're famous or, or you're well-known, right? <laughs> yes. yes. Um, then you can charge a 1000 2000 whatever amount of money. Um, but when you're first starting, you can't do that. So then the upsell is, is a really great way to go because live events are fantastic to get someone to know you, like you, and trust you. That's the great thing about a live event. Whereas webinar, you, you don't get that interaction. You don't get that relationship. So webinar, you know, we do sell from a webinar. We sell a $15,000 program from a webinar and we do that really well. But it's, it's you know, the numbers, the percentage, right? You get 100 people on a webinar and you might get five to 10 that buy. You get 100 people in a live event and you get 30 people that buy, 40 people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that it's very different. Um, and that's why I love live events. What's your sweet spot now in terms of, I think I see you do sort of two and three day events or maybe even a one yeah. day. The difference now, because we sell from our events mm-hmm. is the price point, right? So, so the bigger the price point, the more time you have to be with them to get the sale. <laughs> um, so, and I've tried everything. I've tried three yeah. hour, one day, two days, three days. And, and for our price point, two days, we get a higher, a conversion one day we get conversion but it's lower and three hour doesn't really work for us at this yeah. moment just because of our price point um so it does depend on price point depending on the time the higher the price point the longer time you, you really need to be there unless you're going to go into the hard selly nlp selly thing which is something we don't do yeah um we're very um, i just don't like that you know and it doesn't work as well as it used to you know it used to be that you know you come into this event they go really hard at you and then there's a whole lot of people at the back and they try and force you to rush to the back of the room and quickly sign up and those days are really going rapidly. People are smart. Now. I think, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's, people are too used to it. They can kind of know it's coming or see it's coming a mile yeah. off. And yeah, they yeah. just take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> they, yeah, they don't like it. They recoil from it. So, so we have a very authentic based type selling where we, you know, you don't push, you just share. Mm-hmm. If you share authentically and you share and you give enough value, people will want to work with you. Because there's two trains of thought here. Either either just give people a tiny teaser and hopefully they'll want more or overwhelm them with stuff. And they'll go, holy crap, because it's not in the information. It's in the, it's in the, um, it's in the sort of the doing of the information that people need help, right? They don't need help with the information. They need it in the doing. So if you give them all the information, some will go away and try it themselves, yeah. but most will go, wow, that's great. I love that, but how do I do it? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's important to do it, right? Because there's so much. And that's where, that's, that's the way to do it. Awesome. Step into the <laughs> alpha round now. So this, I like to start Great. this off with, is there a particular impactful book in your life that you either like to recommend or you give to people? Yeah. Or just, it could be a favorite book of recent years. I th- there was a book called um, The Obst- Obstacle Becomes the Way. 
The obstacle is the way. The, is that Ryan Holiday? The obstacle is the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a bit I'm of a really Ryan big. Holiday fan. Yeah, yeah love, love that book. You will definitely like yeah. my book then. Cause it's very yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the whole stoic, and I yeah. love you know I, the funny part about it is I was named after Marcus Aurelius. That's my mum ah, named me after. after very him, nice. You know, yeah. which is really cool. So when I read that book, I went, "Oh my god!" You know, this is this is me. Um, and so I really love that because one of the things I focus a lot on is helping people get over obstacles, you know, especially when it comes to live events. Most people are terrified of public speaking, right? So therefore running live events, they're terrified of doing it. And so helping people overcome the obstacle of live events or whatever it might be, because we're, we're often our own worst enemy, mm -hmm. you know, and so learning, you know, learning that whole process around actually the obstacle is the way. Like the, the obstacle is the thing that will catapult you through it and into the next next amazing part of your journey. Within your business and live events, is there a particular resource that you think is really useful, almost essential? So learning how to actually take an idea and turn it into a visual model is critical um, yeah. for like, well, for anything, I think, if you're sharing you, right? If you're sharing intellectual property stuff in your head and your heart, then um, you've got to learn how to model it to draw a picture because most people learn visually, right? 75% yeah. of people learn visually. So, so you have to be really good at that. So I think if that was taken off, if someone said get on stage and you can't model anything, well, I'd work around it, right? Yeah. I'd model it in the air with my hands or something. But <laughs> um, if I couldn't draw a picture or, you know, that, that would be tough. So I think that's, that's critically important. And then all the support structures around that, you know, the PowerPoint or keynote presentation, then there's the flip chart and the, you know, there's a whole lot of things yeah. around that. Um, but if I lost that, that would be, tough okay and having gone through the majority of this interview and we spoke before who from your network do you think would be a great interview for awaken your alpha when you think awaken your alpha this person springs to mind uh, matt church is an incredible speaker like an incredible speaker he taught me a lot about speaking and modeling and um and capturing my ip voted you know top 25 speakers in the world top 10 in australia point me the oh, right sure. that sounds legendary yeah awesome yeah yeah no he's uh, he's amazing and what's the best way people can connect with you if they want to find out more or continue the conversation yeah they can go to marcusbird.net um that's my speaker sort of website you can mm -hmm. also go to wellnessleadershipacademy.com um and uh, obviously you know social media uh, marcus wellness leader on instagram and um, I'm on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, if you go to my personal website um, and you know, always happy for someone to reach out and have a chat, um, always open for, you know, chatting and talking and, and supporting people to, you know, help them to step into their alpha and, and deliver their legacy on the planet. Perfect. Well, Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure. The time has flown. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It's, it's great. And uh, go awaken your alpha. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Please do subscribe, reach out, connect, pick up a copy of Awaken Your Alpha, Thousand Tactics to Thrive, available on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkx. C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen.
do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.